chapter along with chapter 12 and chapter 14 for uh, three months now and a little bit less perhaps but um, going into these chapters looking at what God says to a local church how they are to function and of the foundation from which they are to function with one another. Paul calls it in Ephesians, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, a more excellent way. They had their way of thinking. They had their ideas concerning Christianity. But they were wrong on a number of levels. And Paul writes to correct them in their thinking. And that more excellent way as to how they are to function in the local church is the doctrine of Christian love. In the old English King James Bible, it is translated into the word charity. Charity, of course, today has a whole different meaning than it did in those days. But in those days, it was referring to what Christian love should look like. And it was referring to how Christian love should act. And so as Paul begins to define it, beginning in verse 4, and he is saying, this is what it looks like in our life. He uses a negative, this is what it should not be. He uses a positive, this is what it should be. And we're down to verse 4, where Paul says, Charity suffereth long, charity uh, is kind. I'm going to repeat myself here after each statement. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, does not brag, does not lift itself up. And charity is not puffed up. That's where we left off the last time we were here. Charity is not puffed up. The phrase puffed up means to be proudly lifted up, to be conceited. Pride as I've said previously, may be defined as an undue estimate of yourself. Christians need to look at themselves the way God does. And that will solve a lot of our problems. Look at ourselves the way God does. Paul warns this church here not to compare themselves with others. There's a lot of things going on here that the church needs to learn. And one of them is that not to have an undue estimate of yourself. In, in its outward form, it produces a boasting, which comes from a desire to be esteemed above others. And to be uh, the man, to be the one that everybody goes to. It comes from not having a proper view of ourselves in the sight of God. We first deal with pride on this level. We get a proper view of ourselves in the sight of God. How did God view us before he saved us? How has God viewed us after we became a Christian? And after we've become a Christian and still fail him, how does God view us? And what does he see? And Paul uh, could say and would say later in this book, if I'm anything, I am what I am by the grace of God. He saw nothing in himself that could bring himself to the level where he should even be an apostle, much less an apostle used of God in the way that God had used him. And so 
Pride then comes and having a proper view of ourselves in the sight of God, but pride also comes from not having a proper view of ourselves in the sight of other men. There's always somebody, brethren, more talented. And there's always somebody more educated, more studied, somebody more powerful, more rich, someone walking closer to God than me or you, somebody who has more influence in the Christian realm than we do. There's always somebody that has something more than what we have. And pride can be eliminated by simply saying, there's always somebody better than me. And that puts me back in the position where I am. I am what I am, but there's always somebody better, somebody more influential. Somebody's a better teacher than Pat Horner is. Somebody's a better preacher. They're out there all over the place. Pride assumes what it cannot know, and that is that somehow or another we think we're better than others. And you cannot know that. You cannot know that because you don't know the heart. And pride ends up holding other people in contempt because they look down. Proud, proud person looks down on others. It robs God of the glory due unto him and his name and robs God of the glory due unto his grace in the life of that individual. If a person's a Christian, God has graced them. God has done something for them they couldn't do for themselves. If God saved you, God has done for you what you could not do for yourself. That's the first rule of true Christianity. If I'm a Christian, it's because God did it. Not because I've accomplished something on a level that others couldn't. Not because I'm wiser or, or, or I understood things that they didn't understand. If I'm a Christian, it's because God did it. It's because God saved me. It's because God forgave my sins. And that he did on the basis of grace. And when I look at brother over here and I say, I'm better than you. I am, I am diminishing the grace of God in his life. I'm robbing God of the glory that belongs to God in that person's life. Pride rooted in self. We use the word selfishness. Rooted in self, centered on me. Draw a circle on the ground, step in it, and I'm the one. Biblical love takes care of that. It corrects pride. It brings us into an, a different kind of mindset because charity or love produces a humility in our life. Because we know if God loves us, there's nothing in us that deserves that. And if God loves that sister or that brother, there is absolutely nothing in them that deserves that. And if I'm going to love as God loves, then I don't love on the basis of the fact that they deserve to be loved. Because they've done this or said that or they're my best friend. They deserve to be loved. No, I, if I'm going to love like God loves, then I'm going to love because... In, or in spite of the fact that they've done something that does not deserve that love. 
You know, when God exhorts a husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church, there is a powerful, powerful teaching behind that statement. Well, she's a good cook. I like her real well. Well, what if she messes up your meal? Well, she's in trouble. And you don't have a clue about what love then. She keeps my house clean. Well, what if she gets down sick and can't do that? Well, she's in trouble. Well, you don't know anything about love then. She's done this and that. She's, well, and what if she can't? Well, then, well, you don't know anything about love then. Because biblical love does not take into consideration what the person can do for me first. God didn't set his love on us because of what we could do for him first. Because we could do nothing. We were sinners. We're lost. We're in darkness and light. No light in there at all. And we had no concept of biblical love. I didn't when God saved me. I had to learn what it was to love my wife. Now, I had an affection for her. We've been married 53 years, going to be 54. So... Oh, I had an affection for her, but when God saved me, something happened on the inside that changed my relationship with her. He said, Brother Pat, has it been all rose petals and plateaus and mountaintops? Well, not exactly. <laughs> Listen, I've told this story before. When God saved me, we were on the verge of divorce. I was destroying my marriage. Well, I wasn't alone in it. She was doing the same thing. We were destroying our marriage. And we'd been married five years, um, and God saved me. And one of the things I told her one day, I said, I was just a young Christian, but I began to grasp a little of what it meant to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Just a little I was beginning to understand. I said, doesn't make any difference what you do, I'm going to love you. And that helped our marriage. It, was everything just peaceful from that point on? No, brother, it wasn't. All right. You can talk to my wife privately. You have permission to do so. What is that guy like? She'll tell you the truth about Pat Horner, okay? Okay? But God helped us both. And we've learned a little bit of what it is to love as God loves. A little bit. And we're still learning. One of the things that love does, it produces a humility. It takes away that macho in a man and brings him to the place where he can love his wife. The difference is, the difference between affection is, because she does this, I'm going to bestow upon her a little of my affection. And love is, whatever it is she is, wherever it is she's at, I'm going to bestow my love upon that one because she's my wife. By the way, same is true for the wife upon her husband. Humility causes a man to see himself in a biblical way. Humility. He sees himself the way God sees him. And uh, sees himself the way he should be seen in the eyes of other men. Just as he is. Nothing special. But a Christian. Brother that's here to do what he can to help others. Just, but just, just that and nothing else. When I worked in India, I said to him all the time, look, I'm just here to help you. Oh, Brother Pat, you, 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 
you need to stay, you need to stay here, Brother Pat. When you die, we're going to take your heart out and bury it in India, and we're going to send your body to here, back to the U.S. I said, stop talking like that. I said, the government of India is not going to allow me to stay in this nation. I'm here for a little while to help you. And all I want to do is help you to get to the place where you can serve the Lord if I'm not here. My brother, we need so much. Yeah, we do. All of us do. Love just looks at a man, a man looks at, a, at himself and says, I am just who I am. Love produces a little bit of a, more than a little bit of consideration toward brothers and sisters. Love seeks to esteem them and put them in a proper place. There are those who esteem or aspire for a place that is beyond them, and love helps them to get back to where they should be. But love honors every child of God in the place where God has put them. Pride has to have a daily approval to exist in the heart. Charity can wait until it hears from God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, Therefore judge nothing before the time. This is a hard lesson to learn. Judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. Pride seeks praise today. Love can wait until God bestows it. We can wait until God speaks to the heart and says, well done. One of the hardest things to learn as a Christian is to function without the praise of men. The whole world we live in is focused on You are nothing without the praise of others. You are nothing without the praise of others. And Christ says you wait, God's word says you wait until God gives you the praise. Until God honors you. We sing that song out of Peter, right? Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. No one exalts yourself. Wait for God to do it. And it's a hard place to be, but it's a Christian place to be. Let another man speak well of you, not yourself. Pride precedes a man's fall into sin and dishonor. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Charity is not puffed up. When men get puffed up, they are heading for a fall. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, verse 18. If you want to memorize a a scripture that will help you in your Christian life, memorize that one. If you get lifted up, you're heading for a fall. You're heading for dishonor. God's word says that is true. And God will bring it to pass. When a man lifts up himself, God will bring that man into his honor. God will bring him down until he recognizes who he is before the Lord. Man who falls into pride forgets the lowly place where God first found him. 
It's interesting that the prophet reminds the children of Israel to look back upon the pit that God dug them out of. And that's a good lesson for us to not forget the pit God dug us out of, the horrible pit we were in that we had made with our own hands. We dug this pit, this miry, filthy pit with our own hands. We were at the bottom of it and couldn't get out of it. Forged the chains that we were bound with in our sin and only God could rescue us. And pride leads a man to forget the place where God found him. He forgets that he was a sinner. He forgets he was ignorant. God gives him a little bit of knowledge and he thinks he knows everything. But he forgets he was ignorant. He forgets he was ignorant of God and the things of God. He forgets how hard his heart was and how hard-headed he was in his sin. I was a hard-headed sinner. Diane had an aunt who professed to be a Christian. We'll find out one of these days. Uh, and an uncle. And they would, always, they would witness to her. But they wouldn't, they wouldn't witness to me. They wouldn't share anything of the Scripture with me. And finally, one of them said, well, Pat's just too much of a sinner. That was the testimony. The gospel to Pat, he's too much of a sinner. Well, about two years later, God saved me. I was too much of a sinner. And they didn't have any message for me. And that was uh, that they could give me. But when I got into God's word, it was something God could give me out of his work. Pride lifts a man up. But when it does, it leads him to a pathway of destruction. A man who falls into pride forgets that all he is as a Christian, all he is as a church member, and all he will ever be on this side of glory is owed to the grace of God. Are, are you somebody in this church? That's owed to the grace of God. You know something about God? A little bit? Where'd that come from? It's not you're being smarter. Well, I went to Bible college. So? If you know anything about God and you know anything about God's word, it's owed to God's grace toward you to teach you something from his word. When a man falls into pride, he becomes contentious. Proverbs 13, 10. Proverbs 13.10 Only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Contention in the Lord's church can be traced back to pride. Somewhere, somewhere there's pride. Conflicts in the Lord's church have a root somewhere in pride. Not in wisdom. Not in those who are well advised. By the way, those who are well advised are advised in the scriptures. They have a peacefulness about them. But contention rises because of pride. And uh, when it does, it is the opposite of love. Because love does not seek contention. 
Love seeks peace and love seeks unity. The whole of the scriptures testify to that. That love functioning in our life, love functioning in our church, will bring about a peaceableness and a unity among the brethren. When that's not there, there's sin. Somewhere. In someone. Pride proceeds from a heart and mind of flesh. A carnal mind. A carnal-hearted believer. Mark chapter 7. Listen to the scriptures. Mark chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks here of that which comes out of the heart. Okay? In Mark chapter 7, verse 21 says, For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed these things. And here's a list. Evil thoughts. Adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and those are the ones that defile a man, Jesus Christ said. That's what defiles a man, not what he eats or what clothes he has on his body. That's not going to defile a man. The Jews were so meticulous about what they would eat or drink. And Jesus said, and if they didn't eat the right thing or drink the right thing or wear the right clothes on the right day, they felt like they had defiled themselves. And God says, that's not where defilement lies. Defilement comes out of the heart. They didn't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. They had a nice, neat, religious package that they believed God approved of. And that which was coming out of the heart was defiling them. Listen to Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, along these, this same truth. Go over there with you if you have the Bible open. Galatians five nineteen. Now the works of the flesh are these, Paul says, to this group of churches in this area called Galatia. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, are made known, which are these. And he gives a whole list. And adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. And then he puts in the word variance. The old English word variance means a contentious kind of quarreling among the people who call themselves Christian. A contentious Quarreling, a contentious argument, emulations, wrath, and then the word strife. Strife is a Greek word that means to set forth one's opinion in order to gain the place of influence. Instead of the scriptures, well, I think, brother, okay, I'm, I'm glad you have a, a thought process going on here, but our final authority is the word of God. Must be. Has to be. And so strife, setting forth an opinion in order to gain a place of influence. And then the last word in verse 20 is seditious. The word, or seditions. The word seditions, seditions and then heresies. The second to the last word, the word sedition means divisions. Divisions caused by quarreling, by having to have your way over all things. Now, I've been accused of that before, but, and I understand 
that when a man stands on the word of God that he can be accused of that. But I think the basic of Christianity is if it's found here, that settles it for us. And I've opened up the Bible and says, here's what the word of God says. That's not me wanting my way. That's me wanting us to be doing God's way. There's a difference between that. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, or chapter 3. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I opened this statement that pride comes out of a carnal mind, carnal heart. Someone who may be a Christian but is acting like a lost person. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Listen to the first three verses. Here is the Apostle Paul writing to a genuine church of Christ. In the first chapters, he said, you have come behind in no gifts. They were blessed of God in many ways. By the time he gets to chapter 3, he writes to them and says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. I couldn't address you as a spiritually minded people. Why? I couldn't address you as a spiritually minded people. Why? But as unto carnal. Even as babes in Christ. Now this church is an old church by the time Paul writes to them. And instead of being mature Christians, they were babes in Christ. They were carnal. Carnal minded Christian is a babe in Christ. I have fed you with milk. Not with meat. For hitherto you are not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. And he says in verse 3. For you are yet carnal. You remain that way. Even after I have been there preaching. Even after I have sent others to you. Even after this letter has been sent to you. You remain that way. For, and then he explains why. Or how it is he views them as being carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? Walk as the world walks? If there is envy and strife and divisions, is that Christianity? Is that spiritual-minded Christians? No. That may be a Christian who is a babe. Paul's giving them the benefit of the doubt. But he is using the word carnal also to mean that which reflects the lost person. You may be a babe in Christ and your Christian life might reflect that which indicates that a lost person. But you're still growing. You go from being a babe to a young person to a middle-aged person to a mature father in Christ. There's a growth process. Starting out here when God first saved you. But these are not firstly er, just now converted Christians. These are people that are old, several years old in the Lord. And Paul calls them carnal because there was division and strife in the church. Opening up in chapter 1 after saying you came behind in no gifts. He says, yeah, I hear there are divisions among you and strifes and I believe it. And he brings it up again and he brings it up again. Chapter 11, he rebukes him for taking the Lord's table with division in the church. And in chapter 13, uh, he talks to them again about love is not, does not do this. And if we're going to be a church that loves as God loves, 
Pride's going to have to go by the wayside. And division and strife is going to have to go by the wayside. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low. The Hebrew word behind the English word low means to dishonor. A man's pride will bring him to dishonor. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Proverbs 29, 23. A true Christian is a person who is learning to love. We haven't arrived there. None of us have. I've been walking with God since 1979. Some of you have been walking with him longer than that. Okay? And you've heard me say, we're not there yet. You've heard me say that from this pulpit. And I believe that of myself. And I also believe it of you. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. But we are not there yet. And when I say we, I'm talking about I'm a member of Coweta Baptist Church. And Coweta Baptist Church has not arrived. We are still struggling to get to where we're supposed to be as Christians. We are. And it takes an honest... He's all right, brother. It takes an honest person and an honest church... To say, I'm not where I need to be. We are not where we need to be. God help us. Help us to learn what it is to love. Because we don't know. We don't know what it is to love. Not if we're all puffed up and divided and strife among us. We do not know what it is to love. True Christian is a person learning. Growing. Okay, learning to love. And that love that we're learning about produces a humility of heart. That's what I'm looking for in myself. First. First. That's also what I'm looking for in the church. First me. The fingers are always pointed this way. And then you. Brother. Humility actually comes from a word that has to do with the eyes bow down. Is looking at the dirt under your feet. It is not, but it's more like, yeah, it's, it's true. Humility is a matter of the heart. It sees sees that I am, I'm really nothing outside of God. Outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm nothing. And if he's blessed me, he's done so out of his grace. And I don't, and none of that's owed to me being, it's just, my eyes are down. I, I, I'm fully aware of who I am, and it's nothing. Outside of the grace of God, it's nothing. I really genuinely believe I can do nothing without Christ. John 15. I really believe that. There's nothing that I can do, nothing that I am as a Christian without God doing something for me first. And so that's the attitude of heart that produces humility. And I had a a dear pastor friend of mine. uh, He used to say, Brother Pat, we need to learn, learn to walk softly before our God. And what he meant by that is people come rushing into the house of God thinking, you know, 
I'm here to bless you. <laughs> and what they need to do is walk in to the house of God with a humbleness of heart and say, I need something from God today. I need something from my brothers and sisters today. I need something. Walk softly. Not walk in full of pride, stomping over everybody. But instead, walk softly before our God. I think there's a good lesson in that. teaches us how to walk in this life also. Not ramrodding it over people, but taking care. Taking care. That's a good question, brother. Hope I answered it. I'll get you an exact definition if you want one. <laughs> but that's what it means. And it has to do with a man's heart. Shows up on the outside. Everything about Christianity starts in the heart. You understand that? We all understand that, I think. And then it comes out. Comes out. It starts on the inside. God working on the inside. Then it comes out. Father, bless your word this morning. We are here before you to learn of our God. To learn your word. 